Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 962 of the Juicebox podcast. Today on the podcast, I'll be speaking with Jill. She is a person living with type 1 diabetes. She's here to tell us her story. Her sister has type 1. There's a lot going on here. I think you're going to love Jill. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Would you like to receive something for free? Well, how about a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order at drinkag1.com forward slash juicebox. You want to get something for 40% off? Sheets, towels, this beautiful sweatshirt I'm wearing, and much more at CozyEarth.com. Use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40%. Don't forget to check out the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes, and the public Facebook page, Juicebox Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with someone else who you think might also enjoy it. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by US Med. USMed.com forward slash juice box. US Med is the place where Arden gets her Omnipod and Dexcom supplies from, and you can get that and much more. USMed.com forward slash juice box to get your free benefits check, or you could call 888 721 1514. Did you know that the Juice Box Podcast has a type 2 diabetes pro tip series? Oh, you didn't? Well, now you do. So if you know someone with type 2 or pre-diabetes that you think would be interested in learning more about what's going on with them and possible ways to make things better, send them over to juiceboxpodcast.com and tell them to click on Type 2 Diabetes up in the menu. My name is Jill. I am a type 1 diabetic. I've been a type 1 diabetic. Actually, my anniversary was yesterday on National Diabetes Day or World Diabetes Day. So Really? Yep. It's 15 years. November 14th was 15 years for you. Correct. Look at you. Did you get anything yeah. special? Buy yourself something nice? Do, do you know, I forgot all about it until my sister-in-law texted me, who is also type 1 diabetic. She texted me at like 8 p.m. last night and said, happy diabetes. And I said, oh, yeah, that's today. <laughs> Were you guys in a club or something? Your, 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 your husband's sister has type 1? <laughs> well, that was funny because on our first date, I sat down to eat with my husband. Um, we were out to lunch and I pulled out my kit. I was doing MDI at that time and I pulled out my kit and I pulled out an insulin. And he goes, oh, you're a diabetic. My sister's a diabetic. And that was it. I married him after that because, you know, when one type one diabetic means somebody who already knows how it works and knows all of that goes into it, that's just a... Uh, it's done so. Jill, I'm sick, so I'm not laughing because if I laugh, I'll start coughing. But... <laughs> Your bar is very low. <laughs> like, you know what this insulin pen is? 
Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all it takes. Listen, it's pretty annoying to have to explain it every time you go on a date with somebody. Like, oh gosh, here we go again. You know, I'm like, I'm just, just exhausting. I'm picturing you leaning across the table, and going like, "Don't eat heavy because you're getting sex and everything today." This oh is- <laughs> my gosh! <laughs> I don't want to lose you. <laughs> what a setup. You know what my insulin fan is. Um, tell tell me honestly, how long you've been married? Uh, we've we've been together eleven years. We've been married. Seven. Okay. Tell me, seriously, if you can remember, wh- what's that feeling like? When is it acceptance? Is it comfort? Like, what happens there? With my husband in general or with the whole diabetes thing? No, just with him going, I know what that is. My sister has this. Like, Oh, it's just relief. Just, okay. it's, exa- I'm, I'm joking, but I'm not joking when I say it's exhausting, you know, to have to explain everything. And then you feel weird. You feel awkward because people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, I like answering questions about diabetes. I like educating people, mm-hmm. but not necessarily on a date, Sure, you know, and I don't want that to be like the focus, of, you know, about me. And so the fact that I didn't have to do that and I didn't have to explain everything he already knew, he already understood. Mm-hmm. That was just relieving. It was relieving. What would you have done if you didn't like him? How long would you have put up with it for the fact that, like, <laughs> I mean, every other guy I've dated before him didn't know anything about it, so pretty long. <laughs> I just, I just like, I, I, I like to imagine like three weeks into you're talking to a girlfriend, she's like, "How's this guy going?" You're like, "I don't like him. Personality's terrible." But <laughs> let me say something. Also, without his shirt on, it's frightening. But I'm just, what <laughs> he really understands the diabetes piece, and I'm just gonna hang in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's well, that's amazing. Well, good for you. How many? Oh my god, I almost asked you a question. It didn't mean the way it was going to sound. <laughs> oh, I, I like those questions. I, yeah. almost, I almost said, "How many guys did you have to go through to find him?" But that's not what I meant. <laughs> this is turning into a diabetes after dark episode, really quick. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I had you been? Were you an adult at that point? Had you been date? Like, did you date through high school with diabetes? I guess. Yes. How old were you diagnosed? No. I guess. So I was diagnosed at nineteen. So. Okay. You had been on a couple of dates before you had type one. Correct. Yeah. And then I had a couple after. So. And you met him at about what age? That's a great question. I think 21 or 22. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I mean, forget diabetes. If I'm at a table and I say something about myself that most people are like, what's this now? Or, oh, I'm so sorry. And they don't have that reaction. I'd be like, all right, cool. This is good. Uh, I guess my bar's low right along with yours, Jilly. I think I'm just like, you like me and you're not going to ask me a bunch of dumb questions. Perfect. You really like me. Let's go yeah, to a you movie. You understand me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It really is something. Okay. So diagnosed at 19, you were in college already? I was, but th- so this is kind of a funny story. My brother is type one diabetic and he's been diabetic since he was tw- 23 months old. So he was diagnosed in the, in 1988. And so I had grown up with type one diabetes my entire life. And my brother and I were both tested for the antibodies when we were younger. We both tested negative, jokes on us. And then in college, I had started having symptoms a year prior of hypoglycemia. And I kind of assumed that that's what was happening because I had heard my brother explain what it felt like to be low so many times. And I called my dad and I said, you know, I think I'm going low. He said, you know, it's your freshman year of college. You're eating different. Your activity level's different. Maybe you're just having some dips. You know, next time you're home, grab one of Pat's kits and bring it to school with you. Well, I forgot to do that. And then so the following year, I had transferred home 
And I was, uh, for some reason, decided to row crew and do uh, a sport for the first time in my entire life. (laughs) And so for that whole fall semester, I was very active. And I think it was masking the the onset for a while because the week after we stopped rowing for the season is when I started having super duper symptoms. I was, you know, super hungry, super thirsty, peeing all the time. And I started tracking how often I was peeing because we're kind of a medical family. And so I I knew something was kind of off. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I was sitting in the back of my classroom one week and I couldn't see the board. And I, at the time, I had perfect vision. And I was like, something's wrong here. Right. And I think I had called my dad and I think we kind of both knew what it was, but we didn't want to say it out loud. But he said, you know, come home. We'll test on one of Pat's kits. And it was like, I think it was 600 something. Yeah. So you're here to say that rowing crew keeps type 1 diabetes away. At least for a little while. <laughs> Did you mention another brother with type 1? No, no, I have two brothers. One has type one, but one does not. I got it. Okay. Um, and he makes fun of us constantly. <laughs> Lovely. And a, <laughs> and a sister-in-law with type one. Let's stick with your family for a second. So that's a two out of three with type one. Is there other autoimmune stuff in your family line? Oh, lots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure enough. I think I could start guessing. Your mom has hypothyroidism. So my mom actually passed. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. <laughs> Jesus, I could have said your dad. I was literally just guessing. <laughs> that was just a, an unlucky guess. Hey, Jill, so, did, she, I... did she pass away last week? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> How far did I put my foot in my mouth? What just happened? <laughs> no, it was a while ago. So who knows? By now, maybe she would have had hypo. She would. No, but I will tell you, she would have had celiac because everyone on her side of the family all has celiac. Okay. Okay. And I've, I've been tested a thousand times because I have lots of other stomach issues. And every time they test me, I'm negative. They've done the genetic testing and I'm at, I forget what it is, but the genetic testing came back. You're going to get it at some point. And so I'm just riding that train as long as I can. Um, but on my dad's side is all thyroid. Thyroid um, on your dad's side. Oh, look at how right I would have been if I would have flipped the coin the other way. Oh, um, you were so close. <laughs> hey, by the way, have you heard Arden's episode about the digestive enzymes that she used to clear up her stomach issues? I, I did. I have not tried those yet, but I just started Ovacetol oh. four days ago because of you. Oh, hey, Ovacetol. Are you listening? Yeah. Perhaps an it's ad. Not, not a sponsor. <laughs> not yet, Jill, but I mean, maybe we're closer <laughs> now. No. Um. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, everyone's tummy hurting isn't this, but we actually, we, sometimes I get confused i do this almost completely by myself i'm like we are about to like i'm an organization i'm about to put up an episode this week with jenny and i think it's called uh owner of a useless pancreas where we describe that a pancreas isn't just to make insulin with and and why you may have if you have type 1 diabetes you may experience digestion issues so do you know it's so funny i'm i'm i Cannot tell you how excited I am for that episode because I'm an RN. I always thought that in another life that maybe I would go like the research route Mm -hmm. and look into that myself and kind of research the difference between the exocrine and the endocrine functions of the pancreas and how one likely would affect the other because of exactly what you're saying. I hope it helps people. And I said to Jenny while we were making the episode, I'm like, I feel bad. I said, you know, because of... I tell people all the time, like, don't just see diabetes. Like, if you sneeze, don't see diabetes, right? Like, people sneeze. But there's a moment where you go, okay, I have an autoimmune issue. I may have more. You start looking. And of all of the things, and I mean the myriad of things that we checked into for Arden over the last two years, and there were so many. I don't know how we skipped over 
hey, maybe her digestion is just messed up because her pancreas, you know, is funky. And yeah. um, and it, it was, I felt bad. And then when I put it up online and I saw so many people react to it, I started feeling badly for, you know, I sh- don't get me wrong, Jill. I'm not mentally unstable. I shook it pretty quickly. But I mean, I, <laughs> I, I felt like I felt worse about Arden because we drug her through so many things to find out something that I picked up at a health food store. That was upsetting. Uh, but I just imagined all those people who eat and their stomach hurts and they just think that's the way it is. And, you know, and it, it changed my life, too. I started taking them and right. um, seriously helping me in ways that are just almost immeasurable. So I'm glad you found that. That's terrific. You know, you said you were a nurse. So there's so many letters behind your name. I, <laughs> I looked them up. So I at first I thought, oh, I thought Jill's an operative for the Republican National Committee. But that's not right. No! <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, so you're an RNCMNN, which is a maternal newborn nurse. Right. So I'm a certified. So you can be just an RN or you can go and have a you can take an additional board to get a specialty certification in a particular field. So I am a certified registered nurse for maternal newborn nursing. You're telling me that I'm going to nurses that aren't certified? Uh, you could. What the sure. hell? <laughs> Speaking of low bars, shouldn't that be a little higher? No, no, no. That's no? A, that's okay. an additional qualification. Uh, After you go to you know nursing school and you do all that training and all that that schooling, you can then seek out additional credentialing and, and specialization. Nice. That's not something that you have to do. Plenty of nurses and amazing nurses don't do that. Okay. Um, but lots of hospitals prefer to have you know certified nurses. It gets you like a little boost on your resume. And I'm also an IBCLC, which is an international board certified lactation consultant. Oh yeah. Hmm. What's that C worth? Another 20 grand? I'm just teasing you. You don't have to tell me. I wish. No, it's not? No. It should be. And you're (laughs) like. I agree. (laughs) So so what's the, um, we're a little all over the place, but I think that's because I like you. I can't tell. Oh, thanks. (laughs) What do you do like day to day? You catching babies or in a hospital or how do you do it? So I've done a little bit of everything. So currently I'm just just a plain old boring postpartum bedside nurse. For the past year, I was practicing as a lactation consultant for a postpartum unit in Miami. And then I was postpartum nursing before that. I did spend a year catching babies, as you put it. That is Mm -hmm. what we call them, the baby catcher. Mm -hmm. They attend the deliveries and and literally catch the babies, either in a C-section or a vaginal delivery. And I loved that. But I had done night shift for that, and I wasn't able to do night shift anymore because of my husband's schedule and our son. So I had to go back to day shift. How do they test you for the catching? Do they throw things at you when you're not looking, when you're walking down the hall, and the people who don't (laughs) drop them get to catch the babies? Just the other day, I received an email from US Med, and it said, hey, your diabetes supplies are ready to be refilled. Do you want to do that? And I clicked uh, yes right in the email, and then a number of days later, Arden's Dexcom G7s just showed up at the house. Arden also gets her Omnipods from US Med, and US Med has T-Slim. They have, uh, let's see, Dexcom, Freestyle. You can get the Libre 2, Libre 3, the Dexcom 6, the Dexcom 7, Omnipod Dash, Omnipod 5. This place is the best. The reordering process at US Med, it's just so smooth and easy. It fits right into your day. And honestly, with stuff like this, with pumps and other supplies, I mean, they have diabetes testing supplies. They carry some insulins. I mean, with all this stuff, what you want is ease, especially once you're into a repetition. Like if you're newly diagnosed right now, you're like, oh, this all sounds like a lot. But trust me, 
Days turn into weeks, turn into months, and you need new supplies. And you want that to just happen. You don't want to be constantly, you know, in a battle to get the things you need sent to the house. USmed.com forward slash juice box. You go to that link to get your free benefits check. You make sure that US Med takes your insurance. And by the way, they take over 800 private insurances and they accept Medicare nationwide. So good chance they're going to take your insurance and then you just get started. Now, if you want to talk to a person and you don't love the internet, you can call this special number just for Juicebox Podcast listeners, 888-721-1514. U.S. Med always provides 90 days worth of supplies, and they have fast and free shipping. You're going to get better service and better care at U.S. Med. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com, or you can dial the number or type the URL right into a browser, usmed.com forward slash juice box. Oh man, they are slippery. I will tell you. <laughs> I saw a couple of them. Slippery was definitely the word that came to mind when you saw They it. are incredibly slippery. I would think though, if you were the person giving birth to it, slippery is what you're looking for. I, you know what? You I don't know? know if I should say this, but somebody literally just asked me this the other day. Okay. If they have to lubricate a woman in oh. preparation to give birth. And I, my, my literal answer was it's a pretty, self-lubricating process Um, it self loops (laughs) when you looked at that person they'll never hear this how far down on your expectations list for what you're going to get out of them as a friend did they slide were you like "Uh uh-oh it's actually my husband's best friend but seriously he dropped like a level right you're like i didn't realize okay i got it now (laughs) he doesn't have any kids he doesn't know how it works doesn't know it also doesn't sound like a great boyfriend if i'm being honest from that question good lord Wow, this is a diabetes after. Well, don't you want to know how you should know how the whole thing operates? It's not a, (laughs) I mean, it's not, you know, it's not that hard to figure out. Well, I guess he thought to, you know, to help ease the baby out even more. (laughs) I don't know. That's making me laugh. Did you, did you laugh at him or were you able to hold it together? Well, it was via text message, so I was able to compose myself, but I did laugh. So you did walk across the room, hold this in your front of your husband's face and go, who, who do you consort with when I'm not around? <laughs> like, he was he was in on the group chat, so oh, okay. he, he's, he's aware. <laughs> That's great. Um, lactation consultant. Uh, yes. I just had a thought the other day. Just if you're on social media at this point, you are going to see a woman breastfeeding a baby, but you can't, mm-hmm. I, you can't avoid it. And... I remember the first time that someone did it, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. They're pushing a line. But now all these years later, my thought yesterday was, I'm glad people did this because yeah. I, it, because it seems so freaking normal to me now that I don't pause when I see it. It doesn't make me go, oh, that lady doesn't have her top on, or I saw her nipple, or I don't know if I should see this, you know, tender moment between a child and a mom. I just, I was like, wow, this is just, they, they normalized for me breastfeeding through social media. I, I was pretty impressed with it actually. Dude, you know, I never considered that, but that's, I'm very happy to hear you say that. That makes me want to post more. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I never considered that, but that is a problem that I'm glad that you've, you've, you've come that way, but a lot of people haven't. And that's a real problem that mothers face is the the shame of breastfeeding in public. And, and really we have, we have billboards all over, you know, plastered everywhere, you know, women in lingerie and their boobs out that way. And, you know, breastfeeding is the most natural thing in the world. Every mammal in the world yeah. does it, but we've sexualized breasts in such a way that it becomes shameful. And that's, you know, it shouldn't be that way. And so I'm glad that social media has you know, had that unexpected effect on it. Well, I'll tell you something to, to expand on your point. 
it's also ruining boobs for me. Not the not the lactation <laughs> part. Put that aside. The breast part, like the bouncy thing. Like, the, listen, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but there are a lot of people now that believe it is a job opportunity to stand in front of their phone and bounce at their knees, and they're ruining boobs because now I see boobs bouncing, Jill, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't care anymore. I cared so much in the they like so the thing they did for breastfeeding, which was delightful. I think it's having the wrong effect on the fun part. <laughs> oh, no. You're being desexualized. Whatever will we do? I, well, I mean, listen, it's given me a lot more free time, but it's perfect. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I take it Kelly did not breastfeed then. <laughs> she did. She did with Cole, but it didn't go well. Ah. And and then she stopped, and then she didn't with Arden. But I don't know. She did not. She, she wishes it would have gone better. It was not like one of those things where she's like, this didn't work. She really wanted it to go better. Um, but it just wasn't working. And we were pretty young. Yeah. And, and a lactation consultant, I don't think, was something that existed outside of, like, the back room of a granola, you know, healthcare store at that time. <laughs> like, you know, the, your, 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 your uh, hospital was not offering it to you. Right. And then Kelly's also very large-breasted, so they would, like, like, poor Cole was, he was trapped. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, we, we, Oh, yeah. That's a... <laughs> That's an issue. I was going to make a horrible joke about, uh, well, that's why Arden has diabetes. <laughs> she can get breastfed. Oh, good. Yeah, let my wife hear that. That's lovely. <laughs> Please don't let her hear that. That was a joke. It's totally a joke. No, I mean, it's funny because that's a hard thing to say out loud because there are some people that go, oh, well, then this is what happened. But, you know, I could also go pull a list together of people with diabetes who were breastfed. So, well, yeah. and I'll tell you, I am, I always tell this to my clients and my patients. I said, I am the lactation consultant who almost exclusively formula fed my own son. So <laughs> did you really, I did. I wasn't able to produce. I had, I have a lot of other issues. I had, I had breast reduction and other things, but the type one diabetes plays a huge role in it. Mm -hmm. Um, it can be very difficult for type one diabetics to, and other diabetics to produce a full milk supply. Yeah. So it was a bunch that. of factors. I didn't realize, I didn't even realize the reduction gets in the way as well. Oh yeah. Cause you're removing all that milk making tissue when you have a reduction. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. Oh, your husband's friend must've hated that when you did it. He wasn't in the picture yet. My <laughs> husband wasn't either. Being serious for a second, how many people, I'm assuming guys, came up to you before that and went, please don't do that? Did you get a lot of that? I did. I, yeah. I really did. I worked at a restaurant at the time and they had, I think they had a, a death to Jill's boobs party. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like it's what, I don't even know why I would care or not care what somebody did. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I as I'm talking, I don't care. <laughs> But right. I did imagine that everybody would just come to you and go, please, no. It's the highlight of my day, your boobs. <laughs> it was a, it was about two or three months before I was diagnosed. It was all the same year. So oh, no kidding. Oh, you did it <laughs> yeah. when you were young. Were they? Yeah, okay. I was 19. Jill, I'm sorry. I know this isn't why you came on. Eventually, we'll get to why you came on. <laughs> but um, I, 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 there's no way around this. How They were pretty big. Yeah. Yes, they were pretty <laughs> like, big. <laughs> can you just give me a letter? Uh, Triple D. Oh. How tall are you? And I'm sorry. I was just about to say I'm pretty short statured. I'm five two. Oh, okay. oh my goodness! Did you? You must have literally like been like the butt of like every like 1970s joke. Like like is are they pulling you over? Like that kind of you, thing. Yeah. You just you, you just can't wear anything without having a grotesque amount of cleavage when you have breasts that size. And yeah. and and some women are down for that and they like that and they enjoy that. I did not enjoy the attention. Yeah. And I had a lot of back and shoulder issues as a result of it. And so I said, you know, let's just hack these bad boys off. And did, uh, did that work for your like your back shoulder stuff? For a time. Yeah, for a time. Did they come? They didn't come back, did they? Because I've heard about that. Oh, they have. Not not so big. Not as as they did before. But you know, as you you age and you grow and you 
try to breastfeed and you get fat, they come back. Jill's boobs fought back might be the episode title. No. <laughs> no. It's, you know why I wouldn't do it? I don't like the apostrophe in the title. Oh, Jill's is? Yeah, I don't know. Like, by the way, have you noticed that moving in society? Like, people are not using apostrophe S anymore, and, they're, and they've forced it into it being normalized. I don't care, by the way, but, like, if it's Jill's car, and people are like, don't use that. Have you not seen that happening on, online? Oh, it drives me crazy. I'm a, gl- I'm a grammar police kind of person, so. You are seeing nuts. it then, what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. yeah, people are literally trying to force the apostrophe out. <laughs> I, I don't have time to fight that battle, but you know who could fight it? Apparently, your breasts, because they're resilient as Oh, wow. Hold on a second. 2044, the first time I said a curse. Uh, (laughs) It was under my breath, but anyway. All right, Jill, in fairness to you and for the people who are listening right now going, I can't listen to any more talk about breasts. What uh, the hell did you come on this podcast for? (laughs) Sorry. Well, I, I, you know, I was trying to find my original email or whatever I sent to you, but I basically, I think I, I said to you, I'm just like a potpourri of stuff mm-hmm. just because, and I think you kind of mentioned, I'm kind of all over the place, but I've, I've just had a lot of interesting things. So having so many, I feel like a lot of people are isolated when they have type one diabetes. They don't know a lot of people who have type one diabetes. I have two type one diabetics in my family. So I have a lot of support. We are, you know, our own little club. And it's, so it's really nice that our families are educated. We have each other to lean on. You know, then I'm a nurse that I was diagnosed late. I also, you know, it was funny because I went into the hospital. I kind of self-diagnosed. I mean, I just walked up to the ER desk and said, well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a type 1 diabetic. And they said, oh, well, how long have you been type 1? And I said, oh, I need you to tell me that I am officially today because yeah. I just tested myself at home. But because we caught it relatively early because we kind of knew what the signs were and the symptoms you know, I wasn't in DKA, so I didn't get admitted. They sent me right home from the ER with the promise that I would be in the endocrinologist's office the next morning because mm. my brother already had an endocrinologist. So they just got me in. Uh, know, we you, have interesting. Say, uh, hold, oh, hold your thought for a second. Uh-huh. Don't, don't lose it. The same thing happened to us at the ER desk. Hi, we're here. Our daughter has type 1 diabetes. For how long? And we're like, oh, no, no. We just figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're like, oh, and then today. Yeah. Right. Like just now I'm telling you and they look at you a little like, well, maybe you don't know, but it, they took it very seriously and whisked her right back. I'm sorry. I, I, I was inartful in getting that thought in, but. Oh no, that's yeah. fine. No, it's, it was funny because the doctor, he comes in and he sits down and he just like kicks his feet up on my bed. He goes, well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. You have diabetes. <laughs> Thanks. I knew on the way over. And you, you said a lot of people around you more than your sister-in-law and your brother or i mean not that that's not a lot but are there others no just those two but i feel like most people at least the ones i hear about they don't have siblings or other people in their families that have one oh yeah overwhelmingly a lot of adults say that what they like about the podcast is listening this is the only chance they get to even hear from other people who have diabetes and it's, it's weird because i mean the podcast has been going on for so long i think people feel like like if i'm gonna ask to come on i better have like some crazy story which is not true by the way but I think you might hear more people on the show with multiple people in their lives than actually exist in the real world. Right. Yeah. And my brother and I constantly argue about who has it worse. You know, I say I had it worse because I lived 19 completely normal years and then had to, you know, change my life overnight. Whereas he, you know, he was diagnosed before he was two years old. He never knew what it was like to not be diabetic. So, Mm. And is there a consensus? Has anyone won this argument? Oh, I win every time. 
would he say that he wins every time if I talk to him? That's irrelevant. <laughs> but it's an interesting question, isn't it? Like, you know, I am. So in my mind, if you're talking just about health, I give it to him because he's had, oh, it, he's sure. had it longer. Right. So right. he could run into more problems just for, you know, term, right. term, term of service. So but as far as making the adjustment intellectually and mentally, I, I think it's you because of right. your age. So, and I did go through a pretty gnarly diabetes rebellion phase shortly after I was diagnosed. I think I, I, I kind of gave it some effort for the first year or so. Then I just, you know, and we talk about on the podcast all the time, but there's just a lack of education and it's just, it's staggering. Yeah. And it, as a nurse, I know firsthand how little education just general nurses get and mm -hmm. how uneducated they are about type one diabetes. And so I didn't know what the heck I was doing, even though I had a brother, he wasn't, he wasn't poorly managed, but he wasn't, you know, super tightly managed at mm -hmm. the time. I just let it slide for about five years and, uh, it was pretty bad. I didn't actually get my act together until I met my husband. And then his sister was on a pump and that was, I had always said, I didn't want to pump. I didn't want to pump because I didn't want to be, you know, tethered to something. And then I met her and, and saw the pump and it made me think, well, maybe I do want to pump. And then I got a pump and then my brother looked at me and said, well, she's got a pump. Maybe I'll get a pump. And then he got a pump. And by then he was in his twenties and he was still doing MDI and had been since he was two. I'll tell you it, what a, what a common story from people like, I know. yeah, really interesting. When you say things were a mess, what do you mean? What was your A1C? What was your day to day to day management like? I think my A1Cs were probably in the nines. Mm. I think they were like low nines. I, I just didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was taking my long acting. I'm sure it wasn't enough. For meal boluses, I, I was all over the place. I would sometimes bolus, sometimes wouldn't. Would either, either way over bolus or under bolus. I didn't know what my carb count was. You know, I was just kind of like looking at something and saying, oh, that looks like two units. And I know you do that and you do that effectively, but I was not. Clear. Yeah. Well, listen, in fairness, I make those guesses along with settings that are really good. So right. like you're saying, I'm not sure if I had enough basil. I don't know what my ratios are. Like when I say, I think that's two units, I have a lot of comfort that the other things are working the way that I expect them to. Right. I was completely yeah. shooting in the yeah, dark. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is interesting. So what happened? You get it at 19. Your parents are so dead inside from diabetes or your mom. I don't know. I didn't ask you when your mom passed. I'm sorry. Did she pass earlier in life? Yeah, no. She. I was 11. She oh, I'm passed so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, oh, so it's your dad. Does dad have like a, you got like a, a stepmom? I do. Yes. Okay. So, the, so it's your dad and your stepmom and they've been at this for so long with your brother that, and you look like an adult to them. So they were probably like, Hey, you have diabetes like Pat now here. And, and is that the idea? Did you just not get any like support in the beginning that would have helped you learn these things? Were you just on your own? No, I, I think that, so my dad is incredibly supportive. He's very involved very educated. I was also a sophomore in college at the time. I wasn't living at home. I was living on campus. So he wasn't there for the day to day. Mm -hmm. And I'm a pretty independent person. So from pretty young, I had just kind of, you know, so like, oh, I'm going to do my things. And, you know, my dad didn't manage things like that. So I was making my own doctor's appointments and dealing with the insurance myself and getting all my supplies. And so I think he just kind of was letting me do my own thing. And, and he would ask, you know, he would ask, how's my A1C and how's my management? And I did have a diabetes education, you know, class when I was first diagnosed, but it was, you know, woefully 
inaccurate, in, in, uh, in, inadequate. Yeah. Inadequate. Yeah. W- when he asks you, how's it going? How do you answer? him? I honestly don't remember. It was so long ago. Do you remember? Let me see if I can just pull a feeling out of you. Do you remember being, having a feeling that you were being dishonest? Oh yeah. No, okay. I was definitely hiding it. And I, and I was, I was ashamed, Okay. but I also kind of was just a, I don't give a F you know, kind of attitude about it because mm-hmm. I was in my early twenties and I just wanted to, you know, be a young, I didn't want to have diabetes, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I just kind of said F it. It wasn't until that I met my husband and I wanted to commit to being healthier. And I just was tired of being on this roller coaster of being crazy low and then being crazy high. And it doesn't feel good. You know, it no, doesn't no. feel good to be that high all the time, but you kind of get used to it and that's your normal, you know? Did you have a feeling like I'm trading a later life for this decision? Like how much understanding did you have of the consequences no. of what you were doing? I don't think I did. I don't think I did at all. I think maybe I had um, uh, just a, just an inkling of that, but I, I did not have the I wasn't in nursing school then at that point. Right. I, I didn't understand the gravity of the the choices that I made at that time, you know, affecting my later control. Okay. So when and, you're talking about being like embarrassed almost when you're talking to your father, it's more about he's asking you something, you know, it's not what he expects to hear back. And now you're kind of fibbing and it, that part is embarrassing. Right. And just yeah. knowing that I should be doing better. Yeah. You know, I know I should be taking care, better care of myself. I got you. And I wasn't. All right. Uh, So you meet your husband. You decide to move things along. Pump seems like it was the first step that got you moving. I think I did Dexcom first, but it's hard to remember that far back. But I remember when I was diagnosed, the first thing I wanted, I had heard of this magical device called a continuous glucose monitor. I wanted one. And I think there was an insurance battle. It's it's just so hard to remember. But Mm -hmm. I think at one point I did do the Dexcom either just before or concurrently with starting the pump therapy. Okay. Did you have a reaction when you started using a CGM? Like, oh my God, is this what's happening? Like, was what's happening, was what you saw happening on the monitor commiserate to what you thought was happening? Yes, but I also, at the time, I didn't know what good management really looked like. So I just, it it didn't have that impact on me because I just thought, well, this is, you know, it is what it is. It's interesting. It's just, it's very interesting because, I mean, of your, now you're, professional background, which means you have the capacity to understand it, obviously. And so it's all context. Like if people don't have the right context, there's no way for them to make any decisions, even if you give them the technology. Right. If I were to look back on my management and my numbers with through the lens of what I know now and how I manage my diabetes on a day-to-day now, I would be absolutely horrified. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I didn't have any of that understanding. And so I just you know kind of looked at it and was like, well, I'm, I'm high a lot, I guess. You know, and that's it. And you did you not even when did you realize my question should be that being high and bouncing around made you feel poorly? Was it after you controlled it or was it while it was happening? I think a little bit of both. I think I, I thought, you know, I'm tired of feeling so ugh all the time. Mm-hmm. And then once I'd started managing myself, it was the full impact of, wow, I was really feeling lousy before. And I didn't even realize. Yeah, no, I I. I I don't know. I think that's so important. And I want to remember to say it more often because newer people listen. And I think, I don't think they know. I think that it be, it becomes like a numbers game. Like even if you have context now, like I shouldn't be 200, you know what I mean? If you know that in your mind right. or my kids shouldn't be 250 after a meal, you don't know that there's no way for you to know that they're not feeling well. You know right. what I mean? And then they start getting accustomed to the feeling and there's no way to know that that, that that acclimation is, is bad for you. 
Like just right. when you start feeling okay at 250, your body's making. You've been, your your zero has been reset. You've been teared at a not a good level. And this is not, yeah, and this is not sustainable, even though today it seems okay. Like right. today you're like, oh, I feel fine at 250. Yeah, that's bad news. Right. You know, because one day things are going to start short-circuiting. Do you have any problems or do you feel like you're doing well? So now I'm, it's, I'm, it's night and day. I'm a completely different person from, from then. Before I found your podcast, I had started to kind of do a little bit of the juice box method my own way. I don't know why it never occurred to me to search for podcasts or for, you know, communities online, but I was controlling my diabetes a lot better with pump and CGM therapy. I did Medtronic for a while. Gosh, I hated those sensors. So I, I got off that. I did well for Dig Dexcom with Medtronic for a while. Then I went to Omnipod for a while. I love Omnipod, but I cannot use them because I have a terrible issues with tunneling and leaking. And I believe it has to do with the 45 degree insertion angle. Okay. So I, I did Omnipod for a while, went back to Medtronic. Then I was about probably in like the, maybe at the highest seven A1C, but usually in like the high sixes. Then I discovered your podcast. I don't remember how, um, but this was many years ago now. And I think at one point you just kind of offhandedly mentioned looping and that was before you ever tried to loop with Arden. Mm-hmm. And I forget the context in which you were just talking about. It was like, wait a minute, is is this a thing? This this algorithm, this, you know, this DIY pump. And so I went on a Google search and went down the rabbit hole and found found out about looping. I, I just I, I couldn't I can't tell you how excited I was. I went to my husband, I was like, this is a thing. Like you can actually do this. Yeah. I, I buy all the things. I didn't have a Mac at the time. So I had to build the the virtual desktop on a PC and it took some time and some effort, but then I was looping and I looped um, with the Omnipod for a while, but then the the same issues came creeping back with the tunneling and the, the losing of the insulin. And so I had to stop. I tried to get a Medtronic loopable Medtronic pump, but it, it broke mm-hmm. after I bought it off some guy. <laughs> Which is healthy. There's a world, right? Hey, I found yep, a guy online who's going to sell me a used insulin pump. Everything's listen, fine. Listen, <laughs> I never knew that there was a black market for for used loopable pumps, but there boy, is there. Is. Yeah. And then so I went back. I actually then I went out to the T Slim, and that's what I'm on now. Is I'm on the Control, Control IQ. IQ. Good for you. Yep. Yeah. I, listen, Arden's um, three two days away from finishing her first semester of college. And so she's <gasps> taking tests and finishing projects and going to class and she's sick. And I still saw her eat a big meal this morning. She didn't do a great job. I, it seems like she didn't pre-bolus. And she had like a 190 blood sugar that she, on her own, got back again in like 90 minutes. Woo! And I do not think that that would be her situation without algorithms. Um, right. You know, and... Yeah, it's, it's funny. This happened the other night. I need to talk about it somewhere, so it's fresh in my head. But her Dexcom was supposed to was supposed to die the following day. Oh, is this what you post about, about yeah, the transmitter? Yeah, and like around 7 o'clock at night, she says, hey, my Dexcom's like really flaky, and the transmitter uh, is done. So she's like, my sensor's done tomorrow. The transmitter's not good for a restart. I'm just going to do it tonight to get it. You know, and I was really proud of her for being proactive and not mm-hmm. fighting with like a fluky transmitter, like for hours overnight and everything. I was like, oh, look at her, like being proactive. This is really good. So she does the whole thing. She sends me a text. She's like, I've never done it before, but it all's perfect. It went great and it's warming up. And I'm like, that's great. I mean, she's been, I mean, we've obviously changed transmitters, 
you know, forever on G6 for years. And she's there and she helps and everything. But it's the first time she was doing it by herself. And two hours later, it just says transmitter failed. <gasps> and she's now it's like 930. And I was like, well, that's weird. I said, well, you know, why don't you get your old, make sure your old transmitter's way far away from you and just, you know, do it again. Like maybe it's confused. Maybe the two of them are too close. I don't know. Like I'm not there. I don't know what she did, you know? So she does it again and it won't connect. And then it becomes a problem. And now it is not working. And so she's testing. She's like, oh, my blood sugar's okay. It's 100, like 105 or something like that. I'm like, good, good. We'll test again in an hour or so. We tried it again and it didn't work. We ended up taking that transmitter off and going to the next one. Now she goes, dad, I'm holding the last transmitter I have right now. She's like, you sent me two, which was more than, more than she needed. And now we're on to the second one. And I'm like, okay, well, well I, you know, what do I do if this doesn't work? And I'm like, uh, he's like 800 miles from me, Jill. I'm like, I'm like, my brain's going, I don't know what you're going to do if this doesn't work. Let's let's just hope this works. Let's just hope this doesn't, this works. Right. So anyway, sets it up, goes through the thing. It won't connect. And so now I'm like, this is just a Bluetooth thing, but let me go online and get, I want to download everybody's thoughts and I'll read through them real quick and see if I'm missing something. Right. And we weren't. And finally, it just, I don't know what I ended up telling her to do that worked. We, I think we rebooted the phone and like, you know, like deleted the app and started over. Cause I'm like, something's weird and like Bluetooth connections weird. I'm just going to make it start over again. Re- I, I did so many things. I rebooted the phone, blah, blah, blah. And it comes online. Boom. Hey, it's connecting. This is great. At that point, Jill, it was one thirty in the morning. Okay. <laughs> she's looking at me over FaceTime. Like, can I go to sleep now, please? You, you know, she's like, I have a final in the morning. And like, mm. and I'm like, I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, what do I do? And now my brain's frozen because here's the other thing. Two and a half hours into this, she tests. No lie. She went from 100 to 400. Stop. And it was probably like a, it's this terrible food from the college. It probably had like a fat rise. It hit her on the other side. And now the algorithm's not running. Wasn't there to catch her, right? So wh- how amazing is that? Because wow. even if she wouldn't have done anything about a fat rise, the algorithm would stop her by 200. Right. But without that algorithm and just eating the regular food that they gave her at college, not looking at her blood sugar for two and a half hours from 100 to 440. That's incredible. So now we're making this giant bolus without a CGM. and she While needs- she's going to sleep. <laughs> and she needs to go to sleep. And I'm just like... Oh, okay. That's this is this is what this day is going to be like. I'm like, that's fine. I said, yeah. I said, here's what we're going to do. I said, make a. Uh, I said, open up your health app, put in your blood sugar, so that the loop can see the number. Right. I'm like, I don't. I wanted to leave the loop open, but I thought, no. When the CGM comes back online, I want the loop operating because we're all going to probably be asleep. Right. So I'm like, so bullet, make this big bolus, close the loop, go to bed. And she does she does all that. And then I use the next four hours to catch up on uh, Shameless, um, which I'm power watching. Because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to sleep. I don't know why. Right. I can't see her blood sugar. And I can't, I just, I, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just. Yeah, but you, you want it to be awake for when it, it did come back online. For the life of me, I'm like, I should just go to sleep. She's either going to die or not. I'm not there. I don't know. I can't see. Like, you know, but anyway, I sat up. And then two hours into it. I see a little bolus in Night Scout, but we forgot to flip the switch in the loop app that says after you change the transmitter that it's okay to send the data again. So um, I am not looking at 
I have no Dexcom data. You don't have to just the Dexcom follow? She didn't, like, she put the new transmitter on, and there's, I don't know what happened. The share didn't start working right away. So we just don't have anything, right? I don't, I'm just like, okay, what do I do now? It's five, like, it's like five in the morning now. And I, I think, oh, on still Night Scout is showing me the bolus. So I'm like, if it bolus, it she must be high. She needs insulin. And then I realize there's a little like pill where you can see what it, uh, what it thinks your, what your blood sugar just was. And so now I'm like, oh, I can see your blood sugar in this little like, let it little screen. So that's what I used to. I sent her a text. I said, when you wake up in the morning, we need to flip a switch in your loop app. You know, probably open and close the Dexcom app and get the share going. And she gets up in the morning, does not look at my text, goes right to school, takes her test. <laughs> and I'm like, and I was like, fine, like she's fine. Like I'm still kind of able to monitor this way, but I'm not getting alarms. I'm not like, you know, nothing's happening like that. But I'm like, she's fine. She, she can do it. And she did. She went and took her test. She said she got a 90 on her final. And then later in the afternoon, I texted her and I said, hey, just FaceTime me real quick. I'll show you what, what switch to flip. And she did that real quick and everything came back on and that was it. So. Wow. There's two stories in there. One of them is you can do it without technology. And the other one is the technology is really great and you should probably use it if you could afford it. I mean, because, <laughs> I mean, just look at what it's doing for like post meal. Right. It's crazy, you know? So anyway, I'm glad it's working for you. What are your outcomes like now? Like you went from nines to low sevens, high sixes to what? So now I am, right now, my most recent was 6.1, which is actually a little bit high for me. I prefer to be in the high fives. Yeah. But I've had a lot of life things going on. And so typically what I do is I will run a clarity report every week or every other week and and look back at the the previous week's Mm -hmm. data and and make changes. I know you say, you know, why watch it for a week if you you see a pattern after, you know, one day change it. But I just don't have the time. Of course not. I have a four-year-old and I'm a nurse and, you know, so I just, I, you know, I just choose to, that's my level of uh, attention. My attention has slipped. I haven't been running reports for a while because of just life being crazy. But so I, I do want to get it down a little bit. I actually have an appointment with a new endocrinologist. We just moved to uh, Orlando, Florida. That's where we live now. Mm-hmm. And so I finally found an endocrinologist who's going to be on board, Dr. Metchik, who I learned from the type one Beyond Type 1 conference. Actually, I I met you at the the conference back in September. And so I heard about Dr. Metchik spoke at that conference. And I said, hey, do you take this insurance? And he said, yep. And I said, okay, I'll see you in a couple months. Wait, you met me at Touched by Type 1. Touched by Type 1. There it is. Sorry, sorry. I was like, was I at a conference I don't know about? (laughs) I was like, like, that could have happened. But uh, no, I'm I'm usually more aware of myself than that. And so you, isn't that great? That you found a, a good doctor that's on board, that's local, and everything. That's excellent. I, I'm he's he's over an hour away, but I'm willing to drive. You know, to finally have an endocrinologist who will be on board with my method, my my style of management, because I'm just constantly fighting endocrinologists. Mm-hmm. I have never been able to find anybody who is fully on board with you know being more aggressive about management. Right. And to to finally find somebody who is you know I'm going to be as gung ho as you are, then I am I'm I'm willing to make that drive for that kind yeah, of management. That's excellent. Was I delightful when you met me, or was I not? You were being uh you were coming. People were coming at you from all different angles, oh. but I just heard you speak behind me, and I whipped around. And I went, Scott. <laughs> I tried to go from the the table in the beginning where they greet people in the morning. I tried to get to the food. 
was like, that's oh exactly God. where it was. And you, that's why I say you were getting, you were getting it from all different angles. I was like, I just need, I don't want a lot. Like I just, I just, can I get you a piece of toast real quick? And, and <laughs> I get a text. I'm, I'm there for like a half an hour and I get a text from somebody that says, I thought you were going to meet us for food. I'm like, I'm halfway there. And, and she goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> She's like, it's a hundred foot walk. I'm like, well, I'm halfway there. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. And it's lovely. Like, it's really nice to meet everybody. But I see why in, in a setting, like, it, it's a weird thing. I said to somebody when I was there, somebody, somebody said to me, like, why, well, you're famous. And I said, just here. I was, like, if you, I was like, if you could pick me up and take me 50 feet outside of the hotel, no one would know me. I was like, if you just silently walked and didn't speak then probably nobody would have, I could have got away with it if i didn't talk yeah it's right like, yeah but once i talk then it's just then there's lines which is by the yeah. way really nice and weird for me i'll bet because i look up and i'm like i don't understand this at all like i can just well, feel my children yelling at me and my wife <laughs> mocking me and i'm like i they would not my family would not wait to talk to me <laughs> so <laughs> well it was really funny because at your at your what do you call it slot it was so funny because you were like, does anybody here not listen to the podcast? And nobody raised their hand and be like, well, everybody knows this stuff already. Yeah, Joe, that messed me up because I do a great <laughs> little talk that kind of brings you up to speed and then I bring you into the stuff. And it was the first time it ever happened to me. I looked up at this room full of people and I thought, oh, no. <laughs> they might not. Oh, let me ask, you know, like, does anyone not listen to the podcast? And nothing. And I was like, oh, hell. I said to my wife later, she goes, how was it? I said, it's, it was different than ever before. I was like, those people were there to see me. And, right. I, and that's never happened to me before. Do you know so now I mean? you need to prepare a people know me, people don't know me presentation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So now I have to do, I have to do something different. I have to have two because it, I mean, I, I, I think I did. All right. I, I switched up on the fly. Oh yeah. Well. yeah. Yeah. No, you did. But, and my husband was there and he doesn't listen. So that was, it was beneficial for him. Good, good. I mean, you have to give them some context. They also, just because they listen, doesn't mean they get it. Even you said something earlier, like, you know, about making adjustments and, you know, you said, oh, I know you say after one day, but that's just something you heard me say one time that stuck with you. Like, right. I don't, like always adjust after one day. Like it's just, right. it's it, the, the podcast is weird because once I say something, it feels like it's a rule. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And and that's hard too, from my position. Like you have to, that's why you have to be able to speak in a way that guides people without, you know, having them walk away. Cause you never know what people are going to focus on. You, sure. you know what I mean? And take away from, them. so anyway, uh, but I'm glad it was good and that you had a nice time. I and am, I also got to meet Jenny Smith and went to her talk on managing pregnancy and diabetes. And that was, that was amazing. Yeah, she's something else. Actually, Jenny just sent me a note. I haven't responded to her yet. Like, literally, in the mail, she sent me a note, along with a photo we took after that day. So after that day ended, Jenny was on her way to dinner with a family that she helps who was there. Really lovely people who I don't imagine want their name said, so I won't. But this was, the, like, that afternoon was my last time to say goodbye to Jenny. So I said, hey, let's meet somewhere real quick. We'll say goodbye. Because as much as Jenny and I speak, we've only been in each other's presence twice ever. Yeah. So I came downstairs and I said, you know, I was like, hey, I just want to, you know, say hi and bye before you left and everything. And the family came up and said, you should come with us. We're going to dinner. And I was like, this is lovely. And then I heard my son's voice in my head. And he always says, one of these people is going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, when he goes, you're going to get murdered. It's going to be by somebody who listens to the podcast. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's definitely going to happen. Yeah, and then, so now I was like, all right, well, I do want dinner. 
and it sounds like fun. And this is better. I was going to go up to my room and sit there. And so I was like, yeah, great. So we went along and Jenny just sent me a photo that we took from there and, and it sent me a nice note about the event, but I've only met Jenny twice. So you've met Jenny one time less than I have. Yeah. Wow. That's something Feels special. She's, I know her, her, I wish, am I sending a message directly to people who have me come out and speak right now? Maybe I, I, I wish that they would not have put Jenny and I on at the same time. Do you know, I, I, oh my gosh, I got so upset because you your like second part talk was at the same time as Jenny. And there was a third talk that was at the same time as Jenny. That was, I forget what it was. I think it was for like, it was technology, like new technologies and developments and uh-huh. future developments. And all three of those were at the same time. And that conference, as much as I enjoyed it, was very geared towards children and mm-hmm. teens and had a lot of those sessions. And so for like the first two slots, there wasn't really anything for me to go to. And all the, the, the sessions that I wanted to attend as an adult were, doubled up. were all at the same time. Yeah. So I listen, not just in that one, Touch by Type 1, by the way, is the best conference I've ever been to. But but I tell everybody, like when they contact me, it's not as much speaking anymore. COVID kind of killed it. But like I say to them, look, this is going to sound pompous, but you really shouldn't put me up against anything else you care about. I was right. like, because I'm going to cannibalize it. And mm-hmm. some people are like, oh, sure. Ha, ha, ha. And, you know, and I'm like, no, seriously. And then Jenny and I basically cannibalized each other. So, right. like, th- I think the mass of people were either with her or me. Like, I felt bad for whoever else was speaking at that time because no, yeah. there was nobody with Jenny. It was it was me and I think two other women that was it. Well, see, that's a shame. Yeah, she should be with – she should have her own slot. She's really good. She, well, that yeah. it was nice, though. I appreciated that because we got, like, one-on-one attention and time with yeah, her, which yeah. was fantastic. I wanted her to speak with me, too. I said, just yeah. – I'm like, yeah, have her come out with me, and you know, one of mine. Because she and I have done that before. We did it in Georgia, and it went really well. It was like like the podcast was kind of live, you know what I mean? Right. For episodes that she's in. But, no, I mean, just a great conference. Absolutely beautiful hotel. The setup's oh, wonderful, you know. Gorgeous. Yeah, so good stuff. Well, I'm glad I, I wasn't bad. I mean, no, I don't Fantastic. Really, I don't really prepare that much. You know what I mean? So it was really funny because you were like hype man. You were you you took the mic and you went outside and you were corralling people. <laughs> I I've been at, I've been at JDRF events where I'm standing at the door and people are walking by and I have the microphone in my hand and I'm speaking to them through the speakers. And I'm like, where are you going? That's we're going to I'm like, did. you really shouldn't do that. You should come back in here. <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> Jill, I, I just got a call from somebody. They want me to do this event. I can't do it. It's so far across the country. It's like 17 airplanes to like a puddle jumper. You know, like, I'm like, I'm sorry. That sounds like it's, I can't do that. But they were like, oh, well, you don't have to spend a lot. Just come out, give your talk and go. And I'm like, you want me to fly all that way and then just talk for an hour? I was like, I'm definitely not doing that. Like, if I come, just use me. You know what I mean? Like, I'll talk right. the whole time if I can. You know, or actually I did something with Touch by Type on this time that when I thought really well, and I know they enjoyed it, but I just went and talked to the kids. There was like 50 kids in a room. Their parents were in there, some of them. And we just talked about what it was like for them to have diabetes, you oh, know, nice. and and then just tried to give them the overall idea, like the big picture stuff, so that if their parents came to my talk and went home, they wouldn't be met with resistance by the kids. Like, they'd be like, oh, I heard this too. Like, you know what I mean? So maybe it would make it easier for them. Right. So, right. Anyway. I had a question about your job. It's a very active job, right? Like you're moving around constantly. Is that yes. right? How how do yes. you, does the control IQ hold up with that well? Yes, I've been surprised. I think it also, when I used to work night shift, 
I used to have a lot of issues with, with lows. Mm-hmm. I have to run either temp basils or, you know, with that control IQ, you can't do that, which drives me nuts, by the way, unless you go out of the algorithm, but you, I would put on the activity setting and that sometimes would or would not be enough. Okay. But during day, it manages me fine. I, I hardly ever go low. If I do, it's very occasional. Well, that's excellent. I mean, that's, that, that's what you're looking for and much yep. be- and much better than what you had previously. Yes. Yeah. That's right. I can't say enough about, and I think these algorithms just get better and better as time goes on, but it's a new world. That's for sure. And everybody, really yeah, they all have yeah. them now too. So it's terrific. If you want to use a Medtronic pump, you can do that. If you want to use, you know, tandem Omnipod, there's, you know, do it yourself options. There's so many, you know, so many options that I, I love that about it. I'm sure, cool I, like I'm sure the companies don't like it. I'm sure the companies are like, right. <laughs> but well, anyway. the truck certainly doesn't like it. It's funny because I got my brother to, you know, I, I don't know if he would say I got him to pump, but you know, got him more interested in that. And now he's a pediatric endocrinologist now. So he uh, continued along that path and he's always been wonderful with kids. And, you know, he has the unique experience of having diabetes, you know, since he was you know a baby. So now he's a pediatric endocrinologist in New Jersey. So. Wow. Well, that's amazing. Was he, was he always eye on being a doctor? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. He didn't go from like working at GameStop and he's like, you know what I should do? It wasn't something like that. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Okay. He always wanted to be a doctor. He considered doing pediatric neurology for a while, but every, I, me and everybody else in our family was like, Pat, you got to go into endocrinology. <laughs> <laughs> and like so it. he loves it. He yeah. loves it. He works out of Rutgers um, and he is just having a, he's having a great time. Oh, no kidding. I drove past mm-hmm. Rutgers recently. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I hate driving here. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible traffic. Uh, do you think people who like live in the, mo- you live somewhere around here, right, Jill? I live in Orlando. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, East coast. I don't even care. I think of the whole coast as the same place, but. Um, well, all my family's in New Jersey. It's right. just, I'm the only one who's not. Who's not there currently. I, I just wonder when you say traffic to people who are like, you know, like does somebody in South Dakota hear that? And like, what, what vision pops into their head when they hear traffic, uh, you know, cattle? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, the number of cars, I mean, like, oh, just, I know, you know, and that you're in four <laughs> lanes of like, you're on, you're on like, you ever been on like 287? There's like four oh, yeah. or five lanes of traffic. Everyone's driving 95 miles an hour. Just, I'm oh. from the Washington DC area. Oh, I know traffic. <laughs> terrible. I'm about to drive through DC in two days. That's actually part of the drive where you think, all right, it'll be a good shot from here to here. And then I'm going to hit Washington and that's going to take forever. And then, you know, like, you know, it's, it's such a, uh, yeah, you just don't know if you don't know. Yeah. So. You got to plan your, your time that you're leaving around whenever you're going to hit the beltway. My sister-in-law came for the first time from Wisconsin and I picked her up at Newark and we were in the parking lot and there's like a, a hotel in the parking lot. I don't know if yep. it's maybe 15 stories high or something. We go out to the car and she goes, that's the tallest building I've ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, you're about to be knocked on your ass because <laughs> so we, you know, we leave the parking lot at the airport and, and you look across the, and there's the, Manhattan, Manhattan and like the Budweiser, right. the Budweiser facilities there and everything like yep. as you leave the airport and she's like, Oh my God. And then she looks at the road and she goes, so many cars. <laughs> the road is so wide. Yeah, she was just like, I have, I didn't, I didn't see this many cars last week, like in total. And I was like, well, here they are. And we're going to dive in with them like salmon swimming upstream and try not to die. So let's go. And I don't know how it works, but it does. So 
Anyway. Somebody smarter than me has figured out how to make roads Isn't somewhat safe. Fascinating. Isn't it fascinating it that we are not constantly just running into each other? Yeah. It's uh, mm-hmm. really is something. All right. Uh, what have we not talked about that we should have talked about? There's a couple of things I want to talk about. So I have some kind of thyroid disease as of yet undetermined. So I had my son in 2018 and I was able to manage myself very well throughout pregnancy, just kind of on my own. I didn't really have a lot of guidance. I didn't have a great endocrinologist at the time. And Mm -hmm. my OB was fine, but they just, they weren't good at managing diabetes. And my MFM did not do any kind of management of my diabetes. So I was kind of just on my own, but I did a great job. I was between like a 5.1 and 5.4 A1C throughout my pregnancy. And then afterward, about a few months up to a year afterward, I just started losing weight like crazy. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I guess this is postpartum chasing a one-year-old. Heck yeah, I'm losing all this weight. And looking back at it now, I'm like, I'm an idiot. I had (laughs) all of these classic uh, symptoms of hyperthyroidism. And I was just like, this is new motherhood, you know? And I'm losing weight. I am paid back by the world for bringing a baby into it. It's going to make me me like I was when I was 15. It's amazing. (laughs) And I was like, I look great. Doesn't matter that my hands are shaking all the time. That's fine. <laughs> I have this like horrific heat intolerance. That's fine too. And so finally I went, I had a, I finally got a new endocrinologist and she was like, well, when was the last time I checked your thyroid? And like I said, I've got tons of thyroid on my, my dad's side. My aunt and my grandmother both had uh, Hashimoto's and then my other aunt has Graves disease and she actually had thyroid storm mm-hmm. a few years ago and almost died. Oh, wow. So I, she was like, I don't I actually don't know when the last time I checked my thyroid. She was like, well, they must have checked it while you were pregnant. And then we looked back and somehow neither my endocrinologist, my OB, nobody ever once checked my thyroid levels throughout my entire pregnancy as that? a type one diabetic. Eh, that's not good. Not good. So we checked my levels and they were like, my thyroid stimulating hormone was like almost unreadable. It was so low. Mm-hmm. So I started on the... Not the PTU, the other one. Wait. Methimazole. So, methimazole. Methimazole? <laughs> hmm I don't know that one. Yeah. So methimazole and PTU, I guess, are the uh, the drugs of choice for treating hyperthyroidism. Okay. And so I did that for a few months. And she, at the time, she you know checked all the antibodies. And I came back positive for both Hashimoto's and for Graves' antibodies. And so I did the methimazole for a few months. My levels came back into range. And then she kind of said, you know, it could be Graves and you're now in remission or you are, you know, this could be start of Hashimoto's and it's, you know, thyrotoxicosis from, you know, the thyroid gland being damaged. Yeah. You're just not sure yet. Right. And so this has been, I mean, it's been four years and we still don't know. Um, Are you on a medication? No. So my levels have been stable, but after listening to your episode with Dr. Benito, it starts with an S. Dr. Benito. Dr. Benito. Yeah. My levels are quote, 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 unquote in range, but they're high for me. Right. Because I have a lot of hypo symptoms. They've done ultrasounds and I have goiter, but they've looked at the ultrasound. They said that everything looks okay. So Hmm. I'm not really sure what's going on there. So you have symptoms still? I think so. Not not markedly so, but sometimes I'll have cold intolerance. I had a lot of weight gain, which also can be from the methimazole, but I've been off of that for years now. 
dry skin, you know, so some of the things that I see, you know, you could say are, are hypothyroid symptoms. Mm-hmm. I, I've thought about once I go to this new doctor, like I said, he's kind of more hip to uh, yeah. how we do things. That's you know, saying like maybe just try all a low dose of Synthroid and see. Yeah. I mean, there's no harm in it. I mean, to get your, I mean, Dr. Benito tries very hard for two, right at two level. I think Arden's a little lower. Cole's like a little higher, but they're right at two. And Kelly's, I don't remember what Kelly's last one was. I have to tell you what you said stuck with me so hard. After Arden was born, I don't know how many months it was after Arden was born, but I remember looking at Kelly thinking, if getting her pregnant makes her look like this, we should probably keep doing it. Like she was like, you know what I mean? Like it was like, I was like, you look amazing, and and she's like, I know, <laughs> you know, like just, I mean, it was it was it was incredible. Like I thought she was pretty before, and I was like, wow, I'm like, you look like you're gonna be in a in a magazine soon. And really, what it was was you know thyroid issue, and then right. of, and then of course we didn't notice it as that, and then by the time she started having more of the like symptoms, and. And then her weight swung the other way. And then she went to a doctor and the doctor was like, hey, lose weight. That's your problem. No. And she's like, I don't think so because I don't eat like, I, I just don't think my eating and exercise is commiserate to what's happening to me. And they would just tell her, just lose weight or you're depressed. That was the other stuff. You're depressed, lose weight, blah, blah, blah. No one ever. And then we, you know, the only reason we figured out Kelly's thyroid issue, Arden's first nurse practitioner, I think her first one, just said offhandedly one day, yeah, you know, a lot of times you see autoimmune diseases through families. And I went, really? And she goes, because <laughs> I didn't know. Like, how would I know? Right. You know, and I was like, really? And she goes, yeah, it's pretty common. And I said to Kelly, hey, guess what she said today? And then we started looking at her symptoms differently. We figured out that Kelly's thyroid was a problem. And then it still took a number of years to talk a doctor into giving her anything. And by then it really, it just really beat her up. Right. You know? So it was terrible. Anyway, that's, I think, why I'm so, the way I am about it. I don't want to see, about I, it, I don't yeah. want to see anybody go through that if they don't have to. I know what it looks like. It's terrible. So, um, yeah, I think you should, uh, I think you should use medicine as well as you can to keep yourself where you want to be. Yeah. So that's uh, something I'm going to look into. Right. Cool. Also, do you know who Dr. T. Barry Brazelton is? Is that the like the baby doctor from the book? Uh-huh. That I did know, kind of. <laughs> yes. So this is a much longer story, but I'll just give you the little the little bit. But yeah. so he used to have a show, a TV show in the 80s and 90s called What Every Baby Knows. My brother had a oh, actually I don't remember how how we met him, how we got in touch with him, but he had a show. And because my brother was, you know was so young when he was diagnosed with diabetes, I guess they had gotten in touch with his production company for that show at the time. And he found out that my mom was pregnant with me at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I was born on his TV show. Wait, really? Um, Yep. I was the first episode of the season where they featured a whole segment on parents with a special needs child, special needs being type one diabetes and having a second child. And so- her labor and birth was on the the first episode of the TV show. And then my brother, you know, them sitting down with me and my brother and talking about type one diabetes was featured throughout that season. That's amazing. Do you mm-hmm. know how long he lived? 
Uh, yeah, we kept in contact with him for a long time. His picture was on our fridge growing up. Oh, my God. He was 100 when he died. He was an amazing, amazing guy. He missed 100 by two months. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. No, I remember reaching out to my dad when he when he passed. I was like, oh, Dr. Brazelton. Oh, that's, a, that's an incredible story. I'm looking at a little bit of his particulars here. What I think is very interesting, two things. One of them, most interesting, is he only had one kid. Yep. <laughs> I, 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 he got one. He's like, you know, this enough. <laughs> I'm surrounded by kids all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One one at home is good. And yep. did he, he, he married late? That's interesting. Well, boy, hold on. He's born in, God, this guy was born in 1918 <laughs> in, in Waco, before Waco meant what it what it makes you think now. So right. 28, 38, 48, he's 31 when he gets married. And what's super interesting is that they list the end of his marriage as when he was like 96, but I am finding myself hoping that she passed away, not that they got divorced in their 90s. That late? Oh, God. So now I'm going to look. I'm just, no. I'm just hoping. Yeah. All right. She died in 2015. Okay. So I don't know. For some reason, I was like, I would prefer that that lady died than they got divorced in their <laughs> 90s for some reason, as far as me taking in, you know, information goes. Uh, well, that's yeah, really my, crazy. My How parents you... went to their house a couple of times to, you know, have barbecues with the production crew and the other families that were featured on the season. That's really something. How long did, the, do you know how long? Oh, it ran for the TV series ran for 12 years. That's really crazy. Yeah. So that's my always my icebreaker when everybody's like, oh, icebreaker, is, what's a fun fact about yourself? You were born on a television show. Yeah, that's what I say. That's born on TV. Else. And do you know Dr. Peter Chase? That one I don't know. So he wrote the Pink Panther book series for kids. Oh, oh, about I know. Type, yeah, yeah, I, yeah now about I know type that. one diabetes. Yeah, and that was my brother's endocrinologist when we lived in Colorado. Interesting. Um, yeah, and we uh, also do you know Doctor? Um, not Doctor, just Barbara Davis, the Dar- Barbara Davis Family and Foundation. I mean, I know the Barbara Davis Center, so yep. I assumed it was named after a real person. Yep. So that's where Doctor Peter Chase was. But before that, we lived in L.A. I was military. If you couldn't tell already by now, we lived in L.A. And his endocrinologist, uh, Doctor Frank Kaufman, in L.A., put them in touch with the Barbara Davis Foundation. And family, and my brother was invited to be one of the kids at the Carousel of Hope in the '90s, and so they all—that's when they had their celebrity escorts for the diabetes uh, ball, I guess you would say. And mm-hmm. then uh, Sylvester Stallone was my brother's escort for the night. No kidding, Barbara Davis, by the way, 93 years old and still moving. Wow! And she pops some kids out. One, two, three, four, five. You think she had lubrication? <laughs> Let's all hope so. <laughs> I waited an hour to do that callback. Way to bring that full circle. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've been sitting on it. N- not, I shouldn't have said sitting on it. I've been, um, <laughs> I've been holding it. <laughs> I've been holding it for just this occasion. Um, hoping that we would talk about a 93 year old lady's children. Right. Yeah. You never know when that comes up. <laughs> you, you just never know. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> so I had the uh, the COVID. It turned into uh, bronchitis. Oh. Around week four, my wife was like, oh, we need medical attention. And I said, yeah, yeah, I think we do. <laughs> uh, we went to, I have to tell you, I have insurance. It's 
pretty good insurance. I live near doctors. They're good doctors. I still prefer to go to urgent care for a lot of things. Really? I love the, uh, our urgent care is really good. So I guess maybe that's part of it. Like maybe if I walked in there and it was more like a crack house, I'd be like, I don't want to be here. It's really, so, you know, I don't need an appointment. I go when it works for my schedule. I walk in, I say, this is what's wrong with me. Bang, here's a chest x-ray. Here's this, here's that. They took a little blood. Boom, boom. Lady comes back in the room. She goes, I'm going to give you a steroid pack. I'm going to give you a, a Z pack of some kind. You're going to feel better in a couple of days. You've got bronchitis. It's rebound bronchitis from COVID. It's very common. We're seeing it with a lot of people. And I'm like, thank you. First of all, I wish you could take these steroid packs forever because you never feel, feel great. Oh my God. <laughs> so no lie. It's just a, it's just like a, you know, I don't know, like a little pill. My back has hurt. My back has hurt since I was 20 years old. My, my lower back. Like it just, it's a part of my life. And I take this stuff. Boom. Back is perfect. I get wow. twist, twist around like a spring, right? If I had any, I noticed the last time I was on it, even digestive issues before I found the uh, the digestive enzyme and all that stuff to kind of, to actually put things right. Even my digestive issues went away on steroids. Yeah. And I'm like, I have, I obviously have inflammation, you know, and the first day and a half on the steroid, I pee like you, like you shot a bazooka through a camel. And, <laughs> and so. It, well, and, that makes me concerned for your prostate. Does it? Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, inflammation again, right? Right. Exactly. Oh. I should be taking these steroids forever. Is that what you're saying? Oh, God. Maybe. <laughs> I, w- I was so sick that when I sat down, the doctor's like, let's see if we can help you. I said, I want to be clear. If you think cocaine or heroin will help me, I'm up for it at this point because <sighs> I'm so sick. And I rec- I talk every day. So I sit down now to do the podcast with a giant, like, you know, carafe of like hot tea. I'm like dumping it down my throat when I'm talking, trying to keep going, you know, and this meds hit me. And in 24 hours, my chest doesn't hurt anymore. I feel better. I obviously have too much energy because I talked about boobs for 15 minutes this morning. So I'm <laughs> I'm feeling better. And and it's just, it's fascinating. I, I will Man, be, you know. Th- th- it makes me disappointed because I had the exact same thing happen after I had COVID. And I couldn't have steroids because I'm a diabetic because I had, I had COVID twice because I had the, I took Paxlova because I'm a diabetic. Mm -hmm. And then I had the rebound COVID a week or so later after the COVID had subsided. And then immediately after that, I had the flu. And what I'm now convinced is was, you know, the rebound bronchitis because I was so sick and I had to go to the emergency room, get a chest x-ray. It was a whole big thing. Mm But I didn't get no steroids. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the what was that? Pax? What's that med? Paxlovid. My wife got it. That and that that drug is the reason. She, uh, listen, I don't know anything. All right, but my wife takes that drug in five or six days uh, after getting COVID. Like she was laid up. She was like laying in bed, going <sighs> like you know. And I'm like, uh, let's call the doctor. So we called the doctor. Said, oh, take this. I don't know if it's three or four days later. She's like, I feel like a million bucks. And I'm like, great. And then we, you know, tested. She was negative a couple times. We even stuck. We left her in the room a couple extra days because my son and I were like, eh, you know, yes, she looks sad in there, but we're not sick. So let's leave her in there. <laughs> Tests negative a couple times. We're like, all right, we're going to allow you to come out. She comes out. And two days later, she's sick again. 
Yep. And she got us sick. And yep. I was like, unbelievable. So now she's back upstairs. I slept in Arden's room for like 10 days this month. Like, because I was just trying to stay away from her. And mm-hmm. oh my God. Like, I know people are like, I know that COVID started out by being like, it's killing everybody. So if you don't die, it just feels like a win. But I mean, there were six or seven nights in a row. I couldn't sleep. I was exhausted all day. But when it was time to sleep, I had no feelings of going to sleep. And I would lay overnight for seven hours getting hot and then cold and then hot. And then just, it was, Mm, it it was insane that I'd sleep from like 6am to 9am, get up and make the podcast. As a matter of fact, if you guys go back to episode uh, 789, it's an episode I did with Gvoke about the Hypopen and Jenny. I'm listening to that literally today. Oh, well, this is perfect then. How do I sound <laughs> to that? Good, right? I just started it, so I don't think I'd noticed yet. Sweating like I was kicking heroin while I made that. <laughs> okay? Like, I came into the room. It was very embarrassing because it's an episode. Well, first of all, it's an ep- it was my idea. I've been, like pursuing Givoke. I'm like, make an episode with me about this. You know what I mean? And they were very kind and they wanted to do it. And they, you know, it, it's great. It's good for them. It's good for me. It's good for the people listening because I think people don't know how to use their glucagon very well. And mm-hmm. so we sit down to do it. The reason I tell you that it's, it was, you know, first of all, I have nothing to hide, but there were four people from the company on the call. Like you and I are talking now, no one hears us, but Jenny and I were talking and there were four other people listening in. And I come in the room. Now my camera's on so Jenny can see me. I come in the room in sweatpants holding a blanket. <laughs> and I sit down and I put the blanket down next to me. And I look up at those people and I go, listen, I don't know if I got RSV or COVID. I haven't decided yet. I'm really sick. You're not going to notice while I'm making the podcast. I go, I'm a professional. This will be fine. I said, but if you ever see, if you see me pick up the blanket and wrap it around myself, I don't want you to worry because <laughs> I feel like I'm about to be freezing. And then I start talking and I can see Jenny looking at me like, are you all right? <laughs> and I didn't even realize it. I just started like sweating in sheets. And through the whole thing, I was on fire. And then I got done. My son comes in and goes, are you all right, man? And I'm like, what? He goes, your shirt's wet. And he's like, I don't mean like a couple spots. He goes, you're, you're wet. And I said, I, I got to go lay down. And, and when I got done, I sent a text to my guy at the PR company. And I'm like, was that okay? And he goes, it was amazing. And I was like, really? Because I'm not okay. Like, and he goes, yeah, you didn't look good. (laughs) So anyway, be very impressed when you listen to that one, because I was on death's door when I made that episode. And I don't think you can tell. So I am. I'm going to go listen to that now. That's so funny. I just started. I'm going to finish listening. Then it just hung on for weeks. Like you'd get up tired all the time, always sick. Always feeling like, uh, blowing your nose, your chest feels heavy, you can't breathe. You know, I had to go outside and do yard work because, like, their leaves are falling. And if I don't get them to the street, I'm going to be stuck with them all year. I thought I was going to die doing that. And then finally, I said, Kelly's like, we got to go to a doctor again. And I said, yeah, I don't know what we're doing. I think it's you just don't, you never feel your age. Like, I just remember back to when I was younger, like, this wouldn't have stopped me, you know? And, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, I'm not kicking this. And then boom, magic pills and all good. So yeah, yeah. I'm sorry you got it twice. You said, yeah. Uh, did Kelly have the horrible Paxlovid mouth? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like bad taste in her mouth, right? Oh, yeah. It's horrible. She said that too. So anyway, after all that, the doctor says, the doctor that gave her the Paxlovid, not the urgent care, 
we get back on the phone with him at some point. He goes, ah, we shouldn't have given that to you. Oh. I was like, I was like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> he goes, yeah, we're seeing this with that. I wouldn't have prescribed that. And I was like, uh, one of the guys in your office did. He goes, I mean, should you talk to each other? Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. So right. anyway, I, I don't know. I don't know why. And we, by the way, I've been vaccinated and boosted. And so was Kelly. Yeah. And so was Cole. So I don't know if, I mean, maybe this was lesser than it would have been. I have no idea. You know? Right. That's what I kept saying to my husband. We, uh, I was pretty sick. He got a very, very mild case. He was sick for like one day. I said, but can you imagine if we hadn't had these vaccines? And that's why this disease was so scary when it first came out, because we sure. didn't have any treatments. We didn't have any disease. Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Well, I never get sick for long. So when everybody started getting it, I was like, I'm going to be the superhero in this scenario, because like two days from now, I'm going to be okay again. And it just, like, that's how I yeah. get sick. Like, you can, like, there's maybe twice a year, I'll look at Kelly and go, getting sick, got to go lay down. And I'll sleep all night long, wake up in the morning, and it's over. And Must that's nice. just how it usually works for me. And this did not go that way. So anyway, kicked our asses is what it did. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, you were delightful. Jillian, did you get, uh, did you enjoy this? Oh yeah. This was some, oh, this was so fun. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. That's excellent. What I did, love talking shop. The, shop. Is that a euphemism for your boobs or what are we talking about right now? You mean it's diabetes? It's encompassing term. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite part of the episode, everyone go back if you didn't hear it was we're like two minutes into it. And I said, so did you like lean across the table and say, eat light because we're going to have sex later? And Jill went, uh. <laughs> she went, is this how this is going to go? <laughs> oh, man. And I was going to tell my dad to listen to this. Too. He can still listen. It's fine. Your dad knows you had sex. <laughs> he's figured it out. Now, if he didn't know back then, he's figured it out at this point, don't you think? Oh, yeah. No, he, he was he was right there at the doctor with me. He knows. Oh, you started saying he was right there. And I'm like, oh, what kind of a sinister story is this going to be? But you, <laughs> but you meant at the birth of your child. No, that's no. not what I meant. I oh. meant at the doctor with the plastic surgeon. Oh, for the, oh, oh, I guess you were pretty young, right? Yeah, no. So you had to go to your father and say, I'm thinking about getting the girls taken down. Listen, when your mom dies, when you're 11 yeah. and you only have a dad, you get really close to your dad. I mean, you understand you have the same relationship with Arden. Sure. You know, he he knows all about my periods. He knew every time I had my period that I was going to be laid up. I had to go to him and say, listen, I don't like my boobs. They're too big. Let's go to a doctor. You know, and Very, he's all for it. Look at him. Oh, that's really progressive of him. That's excellent. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a silver lining, you know, of, you know, you have this relationship with Arden and I had this relationship with my dad that you're able to be a lot more comfortable and freer with one another. Starts out because you have to be, but then by necessity, you, right? Yeah, then you realize then how great you, it is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, man. No, I I agree with that for sure. Okay, well, that's excellent. All right, I'll ask you one more time. Is there anything we missed? I don't think so. Excellent. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. Of course, my pleasure. Hold on one second, okay? Uh huh. I'm going to start off by thanking Jill. And then I'm going to thank U.S. Med, usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. U.S. Med always provides 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. You can get your supplies just the way we do at U.S. Med. Don't forget, if you know somebody with type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes and you think they would enjoy some content, especially for them, go to juiceboxpodcast.com. Click on type 2 diabetes 
You're going to get the Type 2 Pro Tip series, as well as some episodes called Type 2 Stories. And these people have Type 2 diabetes and have listened to the podcast, and you get to hear the results. Turns out, there's a lot in this little uh, podcast thing that helps people. Share it with somebody who could use that help. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.